This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 138, about Jessica Jones, season 2, episode 1, a.k.a. Start at the Beginning. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 138. We're talking about Jessica Jones, season 2, episode 1, a.k.a. Start at the Beginning. Always a good place to start, really, isn't it? Yeah, thank God they did that rather than at the end. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out the troop, I am the titular Jones of this group, Chris Jones. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Welcome back, Chris. Yes, welcome back, I, Chris. Actually, I don't know if I can say I'm the titular because Jessica Jones is so much bigger a character than I could ever possibly be. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. Absolutely right, Defender. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was expecting you to say, no, I'm important, but no, okay. So you let's are. just jump into Jessica then. <laughs> <laughs> you're very important to us, Chris. And Absolutely. to our And you're all rested. You're in fine voice. So excellent. Yes. Well, what can I say? A certain fellow defender has a podcast called Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I did spend uh, a, a very fun three and a bit hours <laughs> on the call. So it is a very lengthy podcast, but you sh- if you get a chance, any of your fellow defenders who are interested, go on over and have a listen to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, mm-hmm. where you can hear about pretty much my life story, including my love of Spider-Man. Yes. And I- Moon Knight. It was a really good podcast. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, actually, Chris. Uh, really good fun. Um, for ourselves, if you want to make sure you subscribe to the podcast, we're going to be doing our coverage of Jessica Jones, obviously, uh, for the rest of the season. But we've got loads more episodes on there all about all of the defenders from Iron Fist to Daredevil to Luke Cage to, obviously, Jessica Jones Season 1, the Defenders miniseries, and Punisher. Yeah, head on over and subscribe. Share the love and race us uh, over at your podcast catcher of choice, be that iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they call it now, Google Play, or any other drunk or sober podcast catcher. And where can they find the links to subscribe, Chris? You can find the links to subscribe over on our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Or, hey, if you actually want to give some feedback, we love feedback on this show. We want to hear your thoughts on not just Jessica Jones Episode 1, but Episode 2, 3, and all the way to 13. So make sure you head on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and you can leave us a voicemail and we'll include you right here on this podcast. Oh, don't want to hear your own voice? No problem. Head over to our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash defenders tv podcast and you too can put your thoughts in there and we will read it out loud you can hear one of our dulcet tones on your own words and we will then discuss whether you are wrong or well yeah right i suppose can only be one or the other we will, as always, be putting up our spoilerific comment posts where you can reply with your thoughts about any of the episodes of this season of Jessica Jones into the replies to that comment. And of course, as always, we know everybody watches these shows at a different pace, so we won't be spoiling anything in the future of the episodes, although we may have seen one or two extra episodes uh, as we record. But we'll only be talking about Jessica Jones Season 2, Episode 1, Start at the Beginning, uh, and then we'll talk about each of the, the following episodes as we go. So don't worry, 
We will not be spoiling anything in future. Uh, you can listen to our episodes whatever format you want and whatever order you want. Hopefully all in the order of 1 to 13, but you don't have to if you don't want to. Yes, and don't forget, if you do binge watch on the release day, you can also send us your email thoughts if you want as well. Because, hey, it could be quite a lot of... You could have a lot of feedback to tell us. So you can do that at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Excellent. And just a slight change up to how we're going to be doing the podcast for this season of Jessica Jones. Uh, we're going to go back to our old way of trying to get out two episodes every week uh, for our reviews of Jessica Jones. We're also covering uh, Doctor Strange Damnation as well. So we'll fit those episodes in additionally to our two Jessica Jones reviews per week. Um, we did stretch out our Punisher reviews uh, for quite a bit longer than we would have hoped. Uh, we went over 14 weeks, I believe, for to, to review the 13 episodes of The Punisher when they came out in November. Purely that was Christmas and holidays and uh, the fact that we're not sitting in the same room uh, very often anymore uh, trying to get all three of our wonderful podcasters together uh, over those weeks uh, took a little bit longer than we thought so uh, so we're going to try and do this a little bit quicker than that for Jessica Jones uh, really because we obviously enjoy the show and we want to make sure that you listen along with us as we as we go through the episodes yes we will be high quality churning them out well yes hopefully uh, it does unfortunately mean that not all the time we're going to have all three of our hosts, but we will do our best to have everybody on as many episodes as we possibly can. But fear not, fellow defenders, if one of us does not make it, we will always pop over to the group and give our thoughts in the spoiler posts. Excellent. Because we know you want to hear from me when I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, speak for yourself. <laughs> but boys, I think now with all that... I need to get talking about my fellow Joneses, keeping mm-hmm. up with the Joneses, if you will. So should we jump into, or should we actually start at the beginning, I suppose? Yes, let's kick right in, as we usually do, with some details of the episode. Uh, the episode was written by Melissa Rosenberg. She is the showrunner for season one of Jessica Jones, and obviously season two. She was the former head writer over on Dexter, and she wrote episode one of season one and the teleplay for the finale, which she has also done this season. And as we know from previous experience on The Defender Show, that's always a good sign, isn't it? Someone that's come from the first season, did the first episode and last episode, and has done the same for this season. So usually a pretty good sign of someone that has a good tight rein on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping up with the tradition Mm -hmm. i'm really happy with this because we saw the great work she did in season one Mm -hmm. and this leads me to believe we're in for a treat with season two her deft hands are probably guiding some of the other writers uh in the stories that where she knows where she starts and she knows where she wants to end the season so i'm assuming as showrunner she's kind of keeping things ticking along as well in between and i'm sure we're due to get some quality Jessica-isms Yes, uh, that we saw in season one, and I can only put that down to her. Absolutely, yeah. Melissa Rosenberg has a total love for the character Jessica Jones. I think only Brian Michael Bendis probably has the same kind of connection with the character, and Christian Ritter, obviously, playing the character, but uh, Melissa Rosenberg seems to absolutely love her time working on Jessica Jones. And This episode was directed by Anna Forster. Uh, That's her first Marvel Netflix show. Uh, Anna has been in the industry for many, many years, going back to about 2004, I think, or a bit earlier than that. Um, She's done some visual effects direction and assistant director work on uh, Godzilla Day After Tomorrow. She's directed four episodes of Outlander and John she directed the most recent Underworld movie Blood Wars as well I love those movies yes but this is the most recent one I don't know whether you saw that one actually no I think it did now Derek correct me if I'm wrong Uh, this first of all this is fantastic that Marvel and Netflix have decided to launch 
this on the 8th, which is International Women's Day, which mm-hmm. is a nice, a nice symbol to kind of show the background of this, but Absolutely. also that uh, all the directors are female. That's for this right. Season. Yeah. Yeah, I um, thought it was a really good idea. We've had, we do have a few directors that have worked on previous Marvel Netflix shows as well. So uh, obviously keeping with that tradition, but they they have brought on board some brand new female directors to uh, to take this show and and kind of run it as a, a slightly different show. So I'm I'm really intrigued. Will this change the show a little bit? Will it uh, add to the show? What will it add to the show? So kind of exciting uh, in that way. And we are watching the episodes in advance of uh, of the eighth of March, so we actually don't know what the reaction is out there at the moment of these episodes. So good thing about that is. We only know our own reaction to these episodes, which is always good. I think that helps us uh, have our conversations as we have them. Uh, Gianna, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. After killing her tormentor, Kilgrave, and fighting the hand alongside the defenders, Jessica Jones is back at Alias Investigations. But her life isn't back to normal. She's drinking more and fighting more than she ever did. Her former addict neighbour Malcolm Ducasse is trying to keep her upright, and her best friend Trish Walker is doing everything she can to help Jessica. When a scared, powered individual named The Wizard walks into Alias Investigations looking for help, he gives her the clues that she needs to find out about her past. Jessica needs to go back to the start to move forward. Meanwhile, Jerry Hogarth has hired another PI, Price Chang, to bring Jessica back to the fold, but she's going through her own battle with her fellow partners and for her life. Thanks for that, John. So the way we cover our episodes is we talk about our top five points. We're back with Jessica Jones, so these are our top five case notes uh, for this episode of Jessica Jones, and then we'll talk about whether we defend the episode or not. Um, the big thing that probably stood out to me to begin with is that this is a, a show that's coming out over two years since the first show was aired. So when we're covering other TV shows, you're talking, you know, about six months between the last episode and the next episode. This has been such a long time. So one of the things I think they really tried to do in this episode was uh, call out some of the connections from season one and the Defenders, things they're going to be bringing through into this show. Things that you probably need to be reminded about if you only watched it that first weekend it came out and didn't watch it again two years later. In fact, just an interesting little Defenders TV podcast tidbit here. We're in episode 138 of our podcast. 100 episodes ago, we were covering Jessica Jones. We were on uh, What Would Jessica Do? Though We've gone by 100 episodes of our podcast since the last time we were talking about Jessica Jones, which is quite interesting. So a good idea, really, of them to remind you of the big points of what was going on in the series. Yeah, it is such a long time ago, like, what, three years? So, I mean, you really need a refresher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose you can just go back onto Netflix uh, and watch season one. Mm-hmm. It's still there in the archives, but definitely, um, yeah, it's good to get that refresher because okay. people come to this season fresh. Yeah, or just listen to our recap episode, of course. Yes, our insightful and meaningful thoughts. I'm very happy that they, they haven't just brushed over the events of the Defenders and season one, the, mm-hmm. the climax of season one and the events of the Defenders, because they are taking a toll in any mortal sane person. The things that the Jessica has seen that has uh, experienced, not just Jessica, I should say everyone in that cast, that if they were just to come in, I don't know, almost like it was a telenovela going, season two, this happened while you're gone and go. And everything was this status quo. Mm-hmm. Then it, it would have, I don't know. I think it would have diminished what, what kind of has come before it. 
Well, I think like if the if the series had opened up with a new villain arriving in her area of Hell's Kitchen, and then she had to deal with an episode one without even speaking about the things that happened in the first season, I think it would have felt a bit disingenuous. We talked about on our recap show that some of the big things that were standing out. It was just nice to see them remarked upon very quickly in this episode saying to you you did need to watch season one it did matter and we're going to be dealing with these throughout the throughout the season so one of the first ones really that we hear talked about is igh which we'd mentioned quite a few times wondering whether igh will be brought in will we learn more and really this is going to be fundamental to the season from this episode we see that there's a lot of mentions of it this is what trish is investigating this is what's going on we hear mention of dr kozlov and will simpson to the characters back from season one um will simpson had 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 the change made in him by Dr. Kozlov. He'd been taken away by him to get injections, which we thought was going to turn him into nuke. We could be seeing that later on in the season as well. So uh, I liked some of those kind of mentions. Yeah. And of course, like you, you get Kilgrave mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, and in particular, uh, the fact that Jessica snapped his neck, you know, I mean, you have that great kind of piece of, of dialogue between Jessica uh, and Patsy where, you know, Patsy's saying, you're not a killer. And she goes, I killed. Ergo, I'm a killer. Even though she doesn't know what Ergo is. She uses it absolutely <laughs> perfectly. Um, you know, really good. And, you know, you get this sort of repeat that I'm not a murderer. I'm not a murderer. You have the whole pizza opening yeah. where she, the, the lady who's hired her is asking her to go and kill the person who's cheating on her. And it's kind of like, that's not what I do. And she's going, but you did, you know, why can't you do it again? Yeah. I think that's another really nice thing as well is that, you know, that personalized theme that ran through season one of Jessica and her relationship uh, or non-relationship with, with Kilgrave and, and the other relationships around her. It feels as that really is front and center again. And it's, it's moving on where, you know, we, got that snippet of the car accident that killed her family mm-hmm. but here this looks like that accident is absolutely the basis for the, the is it the jump off point or the fly off point um here <laughs> definitely uh, jump off for point, yeah. for for jessica jones um in in this season and i think yeah that overall that kind of very personalized feel i mean i've I really get the sense of that continued vulnerability of, of Jessica here yeah. going from season one and into this first episode, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the nice things, as you were saying, is that we're seeing the repercussions, not just with Jessica, but with everyone else. So we see Trish. Uh, we find out that she's been talking quite a lot about powered individuals, mm-hmm. the vigilantism versus hero question. And we know most likely that there's elements of the Punisher she's been talking about, that Luke Cage, because we, we saw and heard snippets of that throughout those seasons. Um, so it's good to see that her life has continued on, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, in that yeah. they, they haven't just uh, paused the Trish. Will the repercussions of her have being involved in the Defenders come up as well, which I'm really interested to see. Yeah. I'm interested to see where they'll take the character of Trish through mm-hmm. it. But Absolutely. I can try to jump onto that later on. Yeah. I agree. There's, there's just some really good moments where she's talking about the, the parrot individuals and she's saying they are very quiet about who they are. They are very protective about their private identities, effectively. So she's definitely talking about the other characters that she met over the course of the last, uh, of the last 
um, of defenders and uh, over the course of the other shows that she's had little spots appearing on. So, uh, so I like that. I like that they're referencing there is a bigger universe out there. Yeah, definitely. But I think like Jerry seems to have fallen back into, um, dark and evil ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we find out that her, PA, uh, Pam has gone to jail for, not well, three days. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, for the murder of Jerry's former wife. Uh, in that, I mean, fantastic episode from season one, A Thousand Cuts. Yes. You know, I mean, Jerry was a, was a monster in many respects here. And, and it seems like she's kind of, you know, she kind of raised up slightly in, in Iron Fist, mm-hmm. you know, really helping out and, she seems like she's very much coming back to being that self-centered, selfish Jerry that we knew and loved from yes. season one. It's a nice little touch where we see her with her two other partners uh, from from the law firm. And of course, again, that connection to the Defenders and to Iron Fist, uh, where she talks about that the business is going well because of the big clients that she's bringing in, like Rand yes. Enterprises. Yes like that it's just good to kind of keep this universe they're building a universe that's what they should be doing with these shows and sometimes they felt slightly disconnected from each other but just having these moments with these characters i also think it's quite funny that jerry is now after losing her wife who was suing her and, and divorcing her now she's getting sued again by another girlfriend pam's now suing her for the three days she spent in jail for the murder of of uh, her ex-wife so um so she'll never get away from those lawsuits no matter how many times she sends jessica down to beat up the person who's given the given the <laughs> lawsuit you know? yeah. um it just seems like this is this seems to be her position she's a woman of power and she's going to be uh going to be taken down a peg by these people that she leaves behind in her wake so nice little touches there not much more i can add in terms of it we starting at the beginning with this so mm-hmm. i want to bring it over to the also brilliant it's patsy i time. i have had that song in my head for over a week now since we got the screeners from netflix for this episode this the it's patsy song has been going on in my head so much and i can feel rachel taylor is going to be at fan conventions for the rest of her life being asked to sing it's patsy just like <laughs> yeah. her character in the show i uh i really want her dress actually um <laughs> like uh watching rupaul's drag race and there was a lady that was dressed up um in a very rainbow colored gown it was very cool. And I suddenly <laughs> yeah. thought that Patsy was, was doing it again with a nice rainbow themed dress, just special for, uh, the children's birthday party. I am so glad that Jessica Jones is back on Netflix. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> oh, only Jessica Jones could get away with this because it was just so funny and mm-hmm. degrading at the same time. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, Trish. No. Yes. Poor Trish. So sorry for her. It's like, Patsy's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> I really and like that. And she swears. She needs her own swear jar. <laughs> yeah, I just really, really like that. We really see Patsy here, you know, going off on her own, investigating her, you know, best friend and sister here, uh, by, by getting these records off one half of the, the two fathers here in, in this scene. Mm-hmm. Really good to see, um, a, a gay couple, uh, and parents on screen as well, I think. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, she's really, uh, she's trying to find out, um, Jessica's background. You know, she's all, she's kind of, um, she's concerned about it. And it was actually one of the bits of pitter patter in this whole episode between her and Patsy that I 
really, really enjoyed the, this idea that um, she's investigating the PI, you know, and she's pushing Jessica, though. She's trying to get her to confront her past. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's seen sort of the damage that Kilgrave has done, but also the larger damage of of that accident uh, and the death of her parents and uh, her brother as well. And yeah. I really enjoyed uh, this, you know, and it develops over the course of the episode. And, I mean, there's some fantastic lines where, you know, Jessica says, don't make me push you out so that I can forget, you know, effectively forget her trauma. And um, because she's pushing it that much, you know, she brings the ashes back after 17 years. Uh, and Jessica really wants to close it down. And I, I just love the way she, she said how she used to dream and then she would wake up and she would lose them all over again. That dynamic between these two characters are really nice. And I love how they, they, they brought that relationship. Um, certainly in this episode, at least it seems really central, uh, uh-huh. more so than I think I got in season one to the point that, you know, it was about Kilgrave and her. And mm-hmm. it's also Patsy didn't do anything. That's not what I'm saying, but this felt really personal. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, Christian Ritter, and those two particular scenes that you're saying, those, those two moments were heartbreaking. They were really well delivered by her. And you can really tell the range of her character. She's not, she's got that really rough exterior for all of season one and here in this episode. But those two moments where her voice kind of breaks as she says, don't make me cut you out of my life like I've done to so many other people kind of thing. Um, I just think that absolutely beautiful performance from, from yeah, Christian I can't Ritter. echo that sentiment enough. Um, like it's painful to watch parts of these scenes. Because all you you want to do is just like mm-hmm. turn around and go no, 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 like don't yeah. do that. We can see what Trish is trying to do. Yeah. She knows that she, this is going to cause problems, but it's like you need to face these in order to get over them. And I can see this being a larger thread throughout this kind of uh, series now in terms of Trish will do things that most likely Jessica will be really annoyed about. Yeah. But with the end being, it was for the greater good of Jessica. Like it does, it does seem really harsh that she brings over the cremated remains of her entire family and puts them on her desk in front of her to force her to confront this. But it's really important to remember there's a line right at the end that Rachel Taylor says, that Trish Walker says to Jessica Jones, where she goes, all right, I'll take them back, put them back in my storage box and wait another 17 years before I confront you about this. She's been living with this whole situation long before Kilgrave was around. She's yeah. been living with her sister hurting inside at the loss of her family for this long. And she's been putting up with it and to some extent enabling Jessica Jones to be turned into this hard fighting, hard drinking woman who covers up all of her problems and cries herself to sleep and wakes up screaming in the morning. She's kind of been enabling that by standing back and allowing her to do it. And she's effectively saying, now it's time You've taken out Kilgrave. Your life hasn't got any better. And I need to do something to get your life better. So no matter how much it hurts me, I don't want you hurting anymore is kind of the, the way that it seems to be playing out. It's, it's, it's a really nice scene. And as you say, John, it does help to develop their relationship and the sisterly side of it. We yeah, all have, absolutely. we all have family members that would say this kind of stuff to us and we would never cut them off. So I think she feels like she's in that position with Jessica. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Jessica is drinking a lot. I mean, what she at least goes through a bottle of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Of which, um, we feel on Whiskey Watch this, this year, uh, 2018, that the whiskey here is 
Tincup Bourbon mm-hmm. uh, from Colorado. A lovely little delicate uh, tipple if you can purchase some. <laughs> Not that I've ever tried any. I was just looking at the notes on the uh, distiller's uh, website. I like it. I like a Tincup whiskey. Um, she's obviously making a little bit more money in Elliot's investigations than she was last season. Yeah, it looked really expensive. That whiskey, looks top Or she's blowing the money on the wrong things. Well, that's true because yes. Jerry does say she drinks her profits, that's so true. she's she's just treating herself, I think, to a good bottle of bourbon, <laughs> aka whiskey. Yes, yes. The one thing I did want to jump in on this is say that uh, we did get to see a certain hooded individual trailing our beloved beloved Trish. In this. Yes, we did. Oh, yes, yes. I wonder who that could be. Can be the one and only Nuke. From season one. And it is going to be interesting, I think. And he's turned asthmatic. Yes. (laughs) But I'm really interested to see what's happened to him. We saw him in a very disheveled state. Captured by Kozlov, or taken by Kozlov, I should say. Mm -hmm. And his team. In season one, what has happened? Have they transformed poor Will into the walking nuke that he will be? Uh, Will they go down a bit different path? I, I'm hoping they turn him into nuke because I really want to see someone shirtless, body painted with American flag, just because it would be bloody hilarious. <laughs> um, I don't think they'll go that far. Um, yeah, no, it's it's really interesting to see him back, and again, another another character we mentioned in our recap episode about uh, about season one that his story was left hanging. So I'm really happy they brought him back. We even speculated at one point, would we see him in the Punisher as being a Punisher villain because of the army connection between the two characters and that kind of stuff. So good to see him back in Jessica Jones. He's definitely a Jessica Jones character. Um, Simpson from season one, he had such a an interesting relationship with Trish, and kind of cool to see that he's there waiting for her at this event that she's yeah absolutely but he is trailing her slightly ominously as well so you know is he a friend or a foe Mm. in this you know to to trish walker um but she does have her sexy new boyfriend griffin sinclair (laughs) at her side the power couple in the media he has his investigative TV show, and obviously she has Trish Talk. Mm-hmm. His back uh, ratings going south. Yeah, I really like this guy. Um, you know, he has that dark sense of humor, as we hear. Uh, yes. Same as Jessica Jones. So he made me laugh mm-hmm. uh, a lot here. Again, has Trish chosen well? Will he turn out to be another Will Simpson, or is he going to be her defender? hopefully hopefully it is terrible when you're watching the first episode of a section episode series and you're looking at all the new characters that are coming on board and you're going which one of these is going to be a villain like this guy being an investigative journalist for t- for a tv show you're assuming he's probably going to be a good guy right for the season but it did cross my mind i was going trish doesn't have a great track record with men and um, will this guy just turn out to be the big bad for the season six episodes in i'm hoping not uh but it was it is really interesting i love the banter between himself and, and jessica where he's saying that they're going off to a charity function which is a, a for kids for illiterate kids and she comes back to him going oh you you have to go because i don't want to be the cause of stupid kids <laughs> just really like that little moment between the two of them you can kind of tell that they have a bit of banter he's obviously been with trish for a while at the beginning of this episode so they've obviously been together a little while, um, especially because people are walking up to them and going, when are you guys getting married? And um, yeah, I like re- that. They recognize them instantly. So I like that. You, it was kind of in the background. It's as Jessica's walked off and they've mm. been kind of 
jumped on by a load of fans and there's a newly married couple there in the courthouse uh, and just go, uh, oh, so are you going to get married? And he's like, easy now. Yep. <laughs> Let's not rush it. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm liking Griffin Sinclair at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing a bit more of him. Yeah, I, I, I'm just pretty sure that this is some form of setup. He's going to be involved in this yeah. somehow. Be, will mm-hmm. he be bad or will he die? Or yeah, it, something bad is going to happen. It, c- come on. <laughs> it was way too, it was the, it was just almost like when they introduced him, like, Oh, cannon fodder. Yay. <laughs> well, exactly. Or oh, he's going to get killed. Exactly. Just because we like him straight off the bat. Yeah. That's all. But there is one of the interesting pieces that we learned from the investigation that Trish has been doing that, that she finds out that Jessica's missed 20 days of her life after the accident. There's no record of what happened to her uh, at the beginning. And this is really what kind of propels the story for this episode, isn't it? Uh, one of the things that propelled it anyway, uh, that Jessica now finds out that there may have been something that happened between the time of the accident and when records began at, at Metro General Hospital. So that's probably going to be a bit of impetus for the next couple of episodes. Uh, and all thanks to Trish. Yeah, I, I think that, as you said, this is going to be the, the the main point. They didn't bring IGH up big quick enough. They didn't bring this up quick enough. Some of the trailers have suggested something similar. So I'm like, yeah, okay, this is, this is our first act, our arc, I should say. Uh, coming mm-hmm. through in the season, it will be. Where did that missing time go? What is the connection? Who was behind it? That type of thing. The the but your basic kind of like, well, we didn't get much of an origin story in season one. Yeah. What is the true origin story? Exactly. If any, all we know that there was that she had an accident and then when she was picked up by Trish and her mother that she had Paris. That was kind of it. That's all we really knew. So it'd be interesting to find that out. Yeah, I think uh, on to point three, the wizard is here in his yellow and blue outfit, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, super speed, uh, fear-based superhero, which I think is hilarious. That's pretty much what drives the superpower, though, yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, this is quite interesting. The Wizard is a very, very small character in the Marvel Universe. I like that they've reached into the Marvel Universe and found a character that they're able to use, because the minute I saw the kind of interview section, I knew this was going to be one of those ones, like last season when Jessica was asking for people to come forward who'd been infiltrated by Kilgrave or overpowered by Kilgrave, and you had a bunch of people coming in past her, telling them the stories, and we were investigating to see who they were. The minute you got this guy in here going, I'm the wizard, you knew it had to be someone from Marvel Comics. Um, so yeah, a very a very early created character back in 1941, I think, originally. Um, so right back before Marvel Comics was even Marvel Comics. Uh, but he has come back a few times over the years. He's been in uh, some Spider-Man cartoon episodes as well. Um, but yeah, as you say, John, he's wearing his costume like he would have, or at least the colours of his costume, yes. like he would have in the comics. A little blue and blue and yellow number, which is really cool. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm loving that they're reaching into the the golden age for these kind of obscure heroes. Mm. Like he, it, you can tell it's a golden age hero because even the, the guy's origin in the comic books is so so old school. It's oh, yeah. uh, I have to I have to say this. Basically, the character Robert L. Frank begins. Uh, his origin basically begins when uh, Robert is on a trip to Africa with his father, Dr. Frank, uh, where Robert is bitten by a cobra. Mm. Dr. Frank saves Robert by a transfusion of mongoose blood and then soon discovers that his son has developed super speed. Because, you know, oh, yes. that's basically what gives you superpowers. 
Excellent. Putting in mongoose blood into your body. That is fantastic. Only into a cobra wound, I presume. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's great. And he does talk about his mongooses as well, that the person who's trying to kill him has also tried to kill his pet mongoose. That's right. So that's a nice little, uh, a touch here as well, I think. Wait, do you think that if you have more than one mongoose, it's mongoose? Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> could could be. Does he have monkeys? Stay tuned, folks, for our next episode where we will uh, fu- investigate this conundrum and, <laughs> and report back: mongoose or mongoose or mongooses? Is it a flock of mongoose <laughs> if they're running on the par- <laughs> prairies, the prairies? Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting, and also it does show that even Marvel can compete with DC. With really crappy names for superhero, um, yeah, the wizard. Who would have thought it? The reason I do really enjoy this, and the, the, as I said, the reach back into the golden age, is that this gives us or gives them a huge playground for this season. Mm-hmm. Like we're probably going to find that there is a host of other golden age heroes and villains that they're going to pluck, play with them, that would be put cool. them into. So like. You could get some really obscure heroes from that timeline uh, back yeah. in, like, the original Avengers or things like that. Because you do have some crazy powers. I, I, oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm absolutely. just like, I'm like, this can give you everything you want. Yeah. I mean, and it is maybe Marvel being slightly avant-garde with their drug reference here. So we could get Acid Drop as our next one. Whiz! <laughs> it's a street drug. And would probably make you think you can go really fast. <laughs> zoom, 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 zoom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're probably going slower than a milk float or something like that. I do love that that's what Jessica really does think about the character when he's when yeah, he's exactly. describing his super speed as being only fear-based. It does also feel like she's trying to make him afraid, to make him run fast. Uh, we did notice on, on like third or fourth watch, I think, of this, of this episode, just after Malcolm closes the door behind him and says, Sorry, wizard. There is a moment where he does move very fast, uh, and that's the first time you see it. I thought it was a bit later on when I watched the episode the second time, uh, but it was instantly noticeable that he does have his super speed on uh, the first time you see him. Um, it's a very different kind of version of super speed than we've seen uh, from the Marvel Universe uh, and the DC Universe with the Flash as well. Uh, we don't see this type of super speed. It's just quite, it it's feels different. It's fast legs. It's really kind of cartoony fast legs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and certainly with the sound effect as well. So it it was cool. I, I, I liked it. I'm glad there was no electricity flying through the air because mm-hmm. it was kind of, it kind of goes back to almost like cartoony fast legs where they're, they're legs and you get the noise and it kind of fits with the golden age a bit. Yeah. I think. I, I'm kind of hoping that like what we're going to find is that there's loads of powered superheroes like the wizard. <laughs> so like I have super strength, but only when I'm, I've got digestion. <laughs> I can lift a fridge, <laughs> but only with my pinky uh, and when I'm on one leg. Yeah. I just think it'd be a, it'd like it'd be amazing to have all these rejected superhero powers, and it's over time you have Jessica. They're coming to you have to help me, such and such, and they're trying out to be crazy, but they all have some weird power. I like it. I like it. Like Jessica and her and her flying jumping. You know, let's like, not she's... get into this already. 
she's a superpower person that's supposed to be able to fly but can't. She jumps, you know, kind of like that. So yeah, that's kind of connected to uh, to this guy. And there is a connection between the two of them as well. There is something between the two of them that is leading into the origin of Jessica as well. So uh, quite interesting. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to see the wizard again. I know it's a real shame, actually. Yeah, he but gets it- snotted by. Well, he's, he is, he, you know, he's talking about the fact that he's being followed and that someone is trying to kill him and his mongoose. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, whoever it is, is it Will Simpson? Who knows? Mm. Is successful and gets him, drops a whole pile of scaffolding on him. Uh, and uh, Jessica's there, can't save him. I think the really interesting thing about this as well is that her new neighbor, um, is with his kid. Who, who sees her and kind of shields his son's, um, eyes from sort of the, the bloody scene. Like, Wizard has been impaled. I mean, he's not that fast, obviously. Um, he couldn't escape falling, uh, masonry. But, um, just quickly on Ramirez as well. I thought it was really interesting because, you know, he, initially he's kind of quite happy to see her. He's really, um, smiley, probably thinks maybe, um, get to know, uh, the, the lady in the apartment next to him kind of thing. Um, but as soon as she moves the fridge that's blocking her away, you see this change in him and he, he, you know, kind of sort of grows a scowl really. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, seems to kind of pull away from Jessica Jones, be a little distrustful, um, of her in some way. So it, it's, you know, he even kind of shields his, his young son from her as she walks past after that. And, um, yeah, kind of gives her the stir as she walks away. So it's kind yeah. of like, you know, has he had some run in with, um, superpowered individuals? Was it something to do with the Rand Tower collapse, maybe? But certainly, I think we were thinking he was her love interest and he still could be. But at this moment in time, it certainly looks as though the fact that she is a superpowered individual um, is not floating his boat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It looks very looks very different to what we thought was going to happen when we saw the original uh, trailer. So, um, so yes, very interesting. That's our, that's the new neighbor downstairs, the new superintendent for the for the building. So, um, I'm sure she can't get away from seeing him again. Yeah, and then just kind of to to bring the before we go into the new character who I want to discuss, um, Malcolm. Mm-hmm. He's back. He's great. He's doing well. He is awesome in this yeah. episode. Yeah, I love, very awesome. He's just perfect foil to Jessica Jones. Yeah. Really, um, I love the fact that she's trying to fire him about six times in this episode. Alone. Oh, that made me laugh so much. I just so enjoyed him being continuously fired and then showing up to work again the next day. Generally, with an energy drink. Yes, I think he. I think he. Um, gave her t- at least two cans before the start of. Uh, of their appointment. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that opening moment when he walks into the apartment and goes, Jessica, are you up? And she goes, no. And he goes, are you with anybody? And she goes, I don't know. <laughs> and he walks in really timidly just in case she is with someone. So do, yeah, I, I like really that he knows good. Jessica so well and everything that he's gone through in the last season is obviously, uh, he's trying to rebuild his life after, uh, after last season where he had unfortunately, uh, gone down the path of being a heroin addict. But I like that he, even though that was something that was created by, Kilgrave in the last season he was forced to do it he was forced to become a junkie by Kilgrave that he's still an addict in this season it's not that uh, now that Kilgrave is dead his life's gone back to normal it's that he's still pushing himself like any addict would to stay off the drugs so I think that's a really nice touch for the character that he still has 
all of those problems that anybody who would had been addicted to something has, but he's pushing through them. Unlike Jessica, who's still running back to the alcohol to, to take care of her problems. Absolutely. I think Eckerd Darvel really, um, he just nails it as Malcolm, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, I really, really enjoy this character on screen, his interaction. And actually, yeah, again, in the same way that Patsy and, um, Jessica have that kind of pitter patter going through this episode, I think Jessica uh, and Malcolm as well, it, it's really good. You talked about getting fired continuously, but you know, he talks about wanting to sort of move his life on to build alias investigations as a pi company you're with her you know he's the one that's organizing uh everything effectively he's her filofax her you know and loyal friend uh, but i love that he's trying to take down lessons and sage advice that jessica keeps saying you know in a throwaway kind of manner and he just keeps getting shot down for trying to to, to sort of learn from you know, someone who he thinks is one of the best. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens twice in the episode. And I just love it because she's like, don't write that down. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not a lesson. Uh, really, really good. Yeah, completely agree uh, with you, Chris uh, and Derek, that uh, such uh, good to see Malcolm back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love that Ivaki brought the, the half liter, 500 uh, milliliter Red Bull cans. Uh-huh. Only can get them in the States. I love them when I'm in the States because it's just like, do you know what I need this morning? Forget about coffee. Forget about espresso. Do you know what I need? I need a half liter <laughs> of energy drink. Oof. And it looks, but it also makes you feel like a giant because the cans are huge. It's just like, I'm so small because these are so big. Anyway. No, I'd never do it. From one character that we do know, to a brand new character. So let's bring yeah. on to the next point, which is the, I don't know way to put it, the, the intriguing price challenge. Yeah, definitely. I'm really, I'm really interested by this guy. Uh, because as far as we can see, as far as I can investigate so far, there is no Marvel comic, uh, rendition of this character. Like this is a wholly new character. Uh, mm. for the season. So I'm very interested to see who is he really? Like we were introduced yeah. to him in a very interesting and abrupt way is the mm-hmm. best way. And we get his, we get his motivations pretty quickly, but I'm kind of like, what there has to be more to this character. We can assume that he's going to be a big player. Um, mm. he, he's been out on the red carpets and things like that. So I'm really interested to see, is this going to be an old switcheroo? In terms of, hey, you know who this thought this was? It's actually this person from this comic book. Um, and they're going to play with his origins, yada, yada, yada. Um, but as I said, like, we, we don't know relations. So rather than speculate too much, because it could be quite literally anybody. I want to speculate. Okay. Well, then let's get into speculation. John, hit me. No, but I mean, like, you're, you're totally right. Actually, we've been given a huge amount of info in this episode on him you know you've got the idea that he's the the open book because he's sent all his tax returns his his military record his university degrees or what have you uh, to try and show to to jessica that look i can buy your place and reconsider after he's kind of shut out um from his initial advance but 
like we also see that he's working for Jerry Hogarth. Now, that was what I didn't quite understand was why Jerry was effectively kind of telling him to go and absorb alias investigations or, mm. or buy alias investigations. I think that is still to be um kind of cleared up, uh, to be honest. Uh, or maybe I missed something. I don't know. What she says to him uh, when Price comes to visit her at the end of the episode, she says to him that um the reason I'm going through you is because we've had our troubles in the past with Jessica Jones. That's a reference to some of the previous issues they've had. Um, it feels like... Jerry wants to use Jessica to do jobs, but if she has price in between them, then she doesn't yeah. have to use her directly. Okay. That makes um, sense. Yeah, because because Jessica does tend to call on Jerry to fix all of her problems, uh, and I don't think Jerry wants to be in that position anymore. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of lost that um, be- between the two of them. But certainly, like, so there's quite a lot of information about that, but... There are a few things that intrigued me about him because when he first goes to, to Jessica, he says that I'm always on time. And then he says it again when he goes to Jerry. Now, maybe this guy is just an efficient kind of capitalist. Right. You know, he, he's doing everything so efficiently. He's making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he, you know, as he's leaving Jessica's, he's checking his watch. So time is very important to this guy. Right. In some way. Um, and I couldn't spot anything. And I know you had mentioned about, is he, maybe he's a new character brought into Jessica Jones and created for the show, or mm-hmm. is there lurking somewhere underneath? And I suppose this is ultimately my wacky theory for Jessica Jones from this episode is, is he some kind of time-based enemy <laughs> or hero that uses time? Or is he just on time? Maybe he's Timely Comics Man. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, he could be a beefed-up wizard. So he's that fast. He's in the seconds rather than just yeah. like, the legs running as a cartoon. Uh, no, I like this. I do, I do think that he's going to be more. We learn too much about him. We learn that he's an ex-military... Uh, as Jessica says, we, we, you see the amount of tattoos. He looks like a bad guy. He is being set up mm-hmm. as a bad guy of some form. Um, he's what, like, you, you don't get that in a way. Like, Jessica beats him down to the point that he's smiling through it. He is pushing her really, really hard. And I like the fact that when we have the reveal later on in the episode that he's working for Jerry Hogarth, she, she looks at him and goes with his broken arm and with his, uh, and with his marks on his face and bruising, she goes, you met Jessica then, didn't you? I did tell you what she's like. You know, he did. She, he was prepared when he went to meet Jessica not to push her because he knew what would happen to him, but he still did. So, uh, yeah, kind of with you guys that there, there may be something else. Or, of course, the writers for the show have provided a proper red herring here in the best way possible by going, we gave you all of his information and every single bit of information tells you there's nothing else to hide hidden behind this <laughs> yeah. guy. And we're still speculating about it. <laughs> Apart from military, IGH. Possibly. Possibly. But again, all the records from the military are apparently there is what Jessica says. Every single bit of it is squeaky clean. There's nothing on this guy. So uh, Jessica's tried every avenue. Malcolm tries. That is and true. And they get the full documents. So it's very possible there's nothing else to this guy other than he he is her business villain. He's the one that wants to shut down and take away the business which keeps her going, you know? Yeah. And again, in a different way to Patsy or Trish, you know, that fight scene, I love the fact that he niggled Jessica to the point where, you know, she 
really had to stop and think before, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she probably broke his jaw or something in the office, you know, after putting him through the door window and so on. Uh, I really, really enjoyed, uh, that fight, you know, where he just, niggles at her and that information you know has come from jerry i mean he's also a pi but you know he's really sort of finding the wound to Mm -hmm. to go in and i think that coupled with patsy in a different way trying to really encourage her in a forceful way to to confront her past i just really like that aspect in this episode yeah yeah absolutely now just because we're on it to my memory, there's no storyline where a company is trying to absorb Ailey's investigation in the comics. It wouldn't have been a hugely respected agency in the comic books. The idea that they would do a storyline like that, where somebody would come in and try and buy it or, or take it over, um, would be pretty rare. It, it doesn't, it, that doesn't feel like the kind of comic book storylines. It, it, it's kind of the setup for the comic book generally, or the arcs in the stories are that Jessica's investigating something and that leads her on to something else. So I don't know. It, it feels like the fact that it's built in her apartment and she returns there all the time. It's just a mechanism in the comic books to get her to do things rather than being a viable business opportunity, I suppose. Uh, remember the comics, the Jerry Hogarth character isn't connected with Jessica Jones. That's much more the TV show. Jerry Hogarth has much more connections with Rand Industries. So, um, so that relationship wouldn't have been there either. So, um, so no, it, it doesn't. It isn't something that we would have seen in the comic books. Okay. Well, well look, I, I think the best thing to do with um, Mr. Chang is to just see what comes along the line. Um, put a pin yeah, in Yeah, we're going to put a pin He's going to go up on the investigation board with a big question mark. Even there though we go. have a huge file dossier attached to that question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Giving us all of the details yes. of who he actually is. Uh, let's get on to case note five, guys. Uh, our final case note for the episode and our other major character, really, in, in the show. Uh, Jerry Hogarth. Jerry. 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 Yes, one of our favourites from season one of uh, of Jessica Jones, obviously from The Defenders and Iron Fist. Uh, quite big roles in all of those shows. Um, I have to say, this is an episode that's obviously being released on International Women's Day, and I really like this moment with Jerry Hogarth as she's standing in front of a room of female lawyers, as she says, uh, all being told they're pretty good for a girl. That's how they got in the positions that they're in. And she's extolling the fact that all of these people in the room have worked harder than their than the people around them to get into the positions that they're in it just seems like the right sentiment for the show and for this moment and um, for for jerry to be standing in front of this room but the fact that jerry is a really complex character and a pretty evil and pretty dark character adds to it for me it's not yeah. somebody standing in front of the room running a charity and uh, and talking to people about humanitarian humanitarian tasks she's effectively standing in front of a room going i'm a business person I've been a business person for years, despite being told over and over again, I'm doing pretty good for a girl. I like that it's her going, I grabbed life by the balls and I got to the position that I'm in for this reason, because I fought my way every day of my life. I just think it's the right sentiment for the show. Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. But within the scene, it is undercut by Chow saying, and the firm paid a lot of money for you to get this award. Mm-hmm. So really interesting, uh, sort of undercutting of that sentiment being delivered in that particular scene, uh, where, you know, we find out that 
they are effectively about to um, take the offer from uh, Jerry's former PA um, and her lawyers mm-hmm. because she has gone to to jail up for for Jerry. Uh, but Jerry still wants to fight that, and but that's it. She is a determined, focused um, lawyer. And so in that sense, the award is absolutely deserved. Yeah. But I, I do like the fact that in meeting Chow and Benowitz uh, here, you kind of see that there's not an awful lot of love between these lawyers yeah. uh, as partners. And I do like Jerry's um, come back to Chow where she, she goes, oh, eat your plastic chicken, Lynn. Um, <laughs> you know, and in fact, we go... Go run and jump, really. Uh, so yeah, it, it was nice to see the the other two thirds of, of this firm. To be honest, it, it is, isn't it? And I kind of you kind of get the feeling with the two of them and their reaction to Jerry that she wormed her way into that partnership. It doesn't feel like she got it because she deserved it. It feels like these people hate her. And Jerry is that kind of character. He's very abrasive, but it feels like she wormed her way in and kind of had done something like, if I deliver 200 million in contracts to this company, I get a partnership in the future. And they kind of had to put up with her and put up with the things that happened in the past with the dead wife now and uh, the Pam, the uh, the PA that she was sleeping with, you know. Um, it's a really, really... Uh, vitriolic kind of conversation between herself and Chow particularly. It feels like Benowitz is kind of sticking out of it and letting the two of them just go at it. But uh, but it feels like Chow has a really big problem with the kind of trouble that Jerry brings to the agency. And it feels like she's always had that problem. It feels like there's something between the two of them being aggressive at each other all the time. So so while there is this wonderful speech about uh, her working really hard to get her to the position and how many wonderful women are in the room, the two women who work together on the board of directors for this agency are at each other's throats uh, when they get back to the table together. It's it's just it's, it's a nice little play on it, really. Yeah, I'm disappointed. <laughs> okay, there you go. Taking what happens into account in this episode, right? That mm-hmm. this is what happens in this episode. What I consider almost a, a a such a downward trend for the character's progression for what we've seen in season one, and then Jessica Jones, the small bit she was in Defenders within seconds. Like, we saw a character growth, especially in Iron Fist. We saw this character grow in a better way, becoming a better person. I need to know why she has descended to that kind of default state again uh, at the beginning of this episode. So what else has happened to bring her back to that cutthroat? I don't know. I just, I, I need to know, is this an act? Is she still the actual Jerry, Jerry that we love from the previous and that she maybe just had to toughen up a bit or something else happened. Like, I know we have the dead wife and then we know that the, the PA went into, sorry, the business associate went into the, into jail. So we know that there has been some additional kerfuffle, but I just thought we were getting Jerry into this character that I really liked, who was hard hitting, who was a pain in your ass, but was doing it for the right reasons. This seems like we're kind of back to Jerry, who's slightly more corporate, doing it for the money. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And you've taken the words right out of my mouth, actually, which is money. I wonder if in Iron Fist, did we just think that she was on an upward trajectory? But the fact is, she's with the one client that has brought massive amounts of business to 
to that law firm. So yeah. she is absolutely going to feather the bed um, and be kind of slightly more smarmy than she would be to Pam the PA or potentially um, to Jessica because he effectively or Rand Enterprises keeps her in the partnership that she has forged with Chow and Benowitz. So maybe we just kind of read it in the wrong way. Uh, and maybe actually um, some of her piety or um, guilt at the end of season one was in that moment. But now that that's moved on, she we're seeing that she's meddling. So maybe we just interpreted it wrongly. Because I, I do know what you mean. All of a sudden, it was... Jerry's back to her old ways. Yes. You know, she's she's meddling. She's she's being duplicitous. She's the woman behind the curtain. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see how how that goes. Definitely. But I'm just wondering in Iron Fist and Defenders was very um a very small scene. Mm. But um, season two she had a quick yeah. scene as well with Foggy. But maybe we just read exactly the trajectory that she was on. And maybe she was in a completely different one, that she was still her old self. Yeah, and that she really was working with um, Danny Rand to, to get his corporation to work with, with them. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I do love her moment with her with her brand new PA where, where she's trying to tell him to call her doctor. And he goes, well, I've sent an email. It's like, pick up an actual phone <laughs> and call her. That is your job. <laughs> I just love that moment. Uh, speaking of the doctor, that's uh, probably... Another big thing, obviously, that happens to Jerry in this episode is that she finds out that she has some fairly serious disease. We don't know the disease um, at the, during this episode, um, but we've, but she's been diagnosed with a pretty serious disease now. Um, I'm not sure whether I like that this has happened to Jerry at the beginning of this episode. Um, it feels a little bit close to what happened to Alexandra in The Defenders, uh, as we saw the first episode of that with uh, Sigourney Weaver being diagnosed with a terminal illness uh, at, at the beginning of that episode. It just feels because we're in our next Defenders show after The Defenders, uh, we've we've already spoken about uh, The Punisher not being a Defenders show. It's separate kind of to those shows. So it feels like a little bit of a repeat for your next show after it to also have your higher powered uh, older cast member to also be dying of some of some disease. What will be really important for me in the show is how Carrie Ann Moss plays this, how she plays this uh, vulnerability, I suppose, or plays having this terminal illness. Will it change her character? How will it affect the Jerry Hogarth that we know now? And where will she be by the end of the season? Um, I think that's going to be really important to me because just having that moment of it, the impact was taken away a little bit by having it in the most recent series. So, do we know it's a terminal illness? The reason I ask this is because I think a really good storyline could be that that is her gynecologist and it's something along the lines of you cannot have bear children. And I think that might right. be a nice story versus, as you say, or the story that we've already got, which is a character has a terminal illness, is potentially going to die, goes on some form of vendetta or... Uh, be it revenge or redemption. Right. It's, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm in, I don't think they'll set it up like that. I think the writers are better than that. I want to believe they are better. I want to believe it's not just something as simple as you're dying. I want it to be something more hard hitting for the fact of what it is. I hope it's not. I hope it's not that she's 
um, unable to have kids. You know, Jerry Hogarth is a character that I feel has absolutely put that out of her mind. She has no intention of keeping a home with a partner at all. She's never seems to have wanted to be around any of them. So the idea that she would want to have kids and bring them into the world seems alien to this version of Jerry that I know. What I'd really be interested in would be what are the lengths that she will go to to cure this illness that she's got. If she's got an illness, illness that she's being told is terminal or being told that it's really important to her, does she start to get involved with IGH? Does she tr- start to follow up on that side, trying to cure an illness that's incurable? Is that the way we're going to go with Jerry Hogarth? Because she is a person that won't stand for being told something can't be done. She never has in any of the previous versions of the character. So I'd be intrigued if it was that. I think... There was a lot of really bad reaction to the concept given to um, Natasha Romanoff back in Avengers, where she was effectively saying that she was half a woman because she couldn't have kids. I think Marvel would want to stick very far away from that kind of storyline again. Um, it was really poorly received by a lot of people uh, when that was kind of the idea that by not being able to have kids, it means you're not a real woman. Um, I think it would be something that they'd be loath to go back to. Yeah, true. I completely forgot about that incident. I do not believe anything <laughs> like that. Uh, so I don't want that. I just, it'd be interesting. And you're actually 100% right that they probably won't go there. But I think then if she does go to lengths, that is so close to the Defenders. Unless mm. they're doing the, hey, you probably didn't watch the Defenders. So here's a storyline that you're going to think is fresh and interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and remember, in the Defenders, it didn't actually end off going very yeah. far. And, and unlike Alexandra, she may succeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could be the thing. And Or it's if it is with IGH, it brings in um, Jessica, who she's just tried to undermine with Price Chang. So mm-hmm. maybe it suddenly makes that a little more complicated. Yeah, I mean, I'm waiting to see what, that discussion between the, her doctor uh, and herself, what is it? Is it a terminal illness? I mean, I do kind of like your theory, Chris, that it, it could be something else other than a terminal illness. I would agree with Derek that I don't necessarily see anything here that would suggest that she's wanting to maybe go down a surrogacy route for for a child. And I think as well, given that we were saying how she doesn't seem as though she is redeeming herself, then, yeah, certainly from season one, she is a selfish individual. So mm-hmm. in terms of towards her wife, towards Pam, and, you know, pretty much to everyone, she's a very isolated Heart. figure in that sense. Yeah. Uh, quite cold. And I think... Carrie Ann Moss plays that really, really well. So it would be kind of, uh, I would feel out of character then given what we've just said, but it'll be interesting to see what it is and how it pans out. So guys, that's our top five case notes. Um, any notes about the episode? Anything that's about you? Um, yes. This, the disfigured guy, um, in that flashback that when Jessica is investigating IGH, um, and, and all the flashbacks as she, she remembers being trolleyed down and having the, those sort of pretty painful looking injections into both her legs. Mm. But, um, yeah, we, we see a, a 
sort of a disfigured guy holding back. Was it Jessica or maybe one of the nurses in the facility? Um, you know, it looks like he's been burnt or his skin has been peeled off, you know? So is this the person that is hunting or was hunting Wizard, for example? Right, right. Um, you know, we do get that sort of quick flash back to this, this one individual. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I'll be seeing what that will be. Uh, as the episodes go on, is this our big bad for the season? Yeah, be interesting to find out. I don't think so. But let's move on to our next notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old switcheroo, I'm telling you. It's the old switcheroo. I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's just because we've never seen that character before. And you kind of, just the way the, the Jessica talked about it, it sounded like it was her, there was Wizard, and then this, this unknown sort of dark, malevolent presence. Mm. And he looks slightly malevolent with his face peeled off. Yes, certainly did. Of yeah. Derek, do you have any other notes? Yeah, I have a few. First one, uh, Trish mentioned she's going to be talking to a, another character from the Marvel Universe. Um, when she's talking about her next show coming up in this episode, uh, she speaks about a noted hypnotherapist, Dr. Maynard Tybalt, uh, on a future show. So she's going to be on tomorrow talking about the effect uh, that superheroes are having in the mental the mental health. Uh, Maynard Tybalt is the supervillain known as the Ringmaster who does control people with his mind. The reason why I remember him was because we talked about this character back in Agent Carter, John. Oh, wow, yes. That's about 120 episodes ago, uh, we had thought that Dr. Faustus was the Ringmaster. Yes. He ended up being Dr. Faustus. So he's not a repeated character. It is a new character. And we were wrong back then. I'm right this time. I know this is the character they're, they're referencing. I don't know whether we'll see him on the show, but, uh, but I do like that they have referenced another Marvel Universe character there. It's quite cool. Another one in there. I couldn't tell, couldn't tell what the movie was, um, that they're watching, uh, that Trish and Jessica are watching. So I want to know if any of our fellow defenders recognize that movie from, uh, from the quick snap that we got. Uh, there was no dialogue in it and very difficult to pick out unless you've seen the movie. I'm guessing it was something like Union Station, a PI movie, um, some, some kind of private, private eye movie that Jessica's so intrigued at watching. It's just a nice touch, but unfortunately in the credits, there was no, uh, shout out for it. Possibly in the credits when it comes out on Thursday, uh, there will be a mention of what movie it was, but uh, not on our credits, unfortunately. And the final one, I slightly mentioned it earlier on, uh, the interviews that Jessica's having for her next case. One of the people uh, there, a a young woman, mentions that there are dinosaur people taking over America and taking over uh, the leadership of the government. Uh, This is a reference to a couple of things. Potentially. Reference to one of my favourite 80s movies, uh, John Carpenter's They Live, starring Reddy Roddy Piper, uh, where we got that wonderful phrase of, um, I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. Uh, one of my favourite, favourite lines from, a, from an 80s movie. Um, but that's, that's a movie where there's lizards effectively, uh, and you can only see them when you put on sunglasses, uh, the, <laughs> which is Quality. just quite cool. It's a very special pair of sunglasses, uh, as well. But it could also be a reference to V, uh, which oh, was yeah. a TV show as I remember remember usually well from when i was a kid where the lizards have actually come in and put human skins on and are walking around uh, amongst everybody else and you find out that they're lizards later on and they're actually aliens alien lizards mm-hmm. and there was also that interesting remake that they did in the early the late 2000s yes. as well yes with morena bacardi yes. from gotham yes our, our, and, our deadpool. and deadpool and yes. deadpool yes of course i think it's that but you have another idea don't you i, I do have another idea yes 
It sounds more in keeping with Marvel, I think. Yes, it could be a Marvel reference to the wonderful secret invasion storyline where a bunch of the heroes are replaced by the Skrulls. Kind of lizard-faced, kind of dinosaur people. If you'd never seen them before and you saw one of their faces, would you think it was a dinosaur? Possibly. They kind of, yeah, absolutely. Kind of like that. So that's, uh, that's my little Marvel Universe guess for that one. I loved that comic event. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah, it's great. Really good. The reason, actually, that's really, really interesting, Derek, is because we know that the scrolls are going to feature heavily in Captain Marvel with Brie Larson. I am very good. Because the rights have been given back to Marvel for this show. So could this be a nice tidbit in the future where we see that the scrolls are there, they are been wearing people's skin or dressed up to look like humans. Mm. In Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we have seen a... Uh, in the current season that is happening at the moment, there is a person who puts on a human suit. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not giving away too many spoilers just by saying that, but there you go. Yeah. Um, so this could be, I do like the idea that this may tie larger in and we don't just get a usual, the incident or the big green guy comment that potentially these yeah. little tidbits are going to be laid now going forward in the Marvel Netflix side of things. I like that because the rest of the note that I had written was we'll probably never see this in the Marvel Universe. Well done. There Chris. you go. We did bring in. There's a possibility we'll see it in the universe. Excellent. And that was no spoilers for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because everybody's obviously watching that show because it's awesome. Of course. <laughs> it is. Of course. Absolutely. I have a final note just for Chris as mm-hmm. well uh, for Wizza who was killed by none other than Chimichunga Deadpool. Yes! <laughs> That's right. I think it's one of his final appearances. He was brought back um, as kind of from his DNA. He was recreated. Yes. Uh, and Deadpool kills him saying, you were just brought back to make me laugh. Uh, which is... <laughs> <laughs> which is the ah, but you got to love the old Chimichunga. I think that was a Daniel Way one as well, which you cannot get better. Daniel Way is the Deadpool. Absolutely. There you go. And of course, we will end our episodes as we always do with whether we defend this episode of jessica jones or not so first off derek do you defend jessica jones episode one season two aka start at the beginning I defend this episode, definitely. Um, I've watched it quite a few times now at this stage. And one thing that really stands out to me is that this is an episode that's trying to get you back up to speed with our characters from a, t- a show that's now over two and a half years old. Um, I think it has a bit of a heavy job to do in that. While Netflix is obviously a, a platform where a lot of people would watch all 13 episodes and then go straight into the next 13 episodes... A lot of people will have only watched it once and watched it once two and a half years ago. So the impetus of uh, Melissa Rosenberg to come into this series and kind of retell some of the things that were happening and put the chess pieces in place for at least the first half of the episode to say, this is what we're going to be focusing on for the rest of the season. I think it makes sense. I think it's the right thing to do. I also like some of the new characters that are brought in here. Um, I love Trisha's new boyfriend. I think he's really good. And I, I know there's already a good bit of banter between himself and Jessica. I love having Jessica, Jessica back, though, more than everything. She played a great part in The Defenders. Probably my favorite thing in all of The Defenders was having Jessica's reaction to some crazy stuff going on in that show, uh, which I did really like. So having her back with her own series after all this time just feels so good. So I do defend this episode. I'm hoping there's going to be even better episodes to come, but this is a good starting point. And with that, Chris, do you defend Jessica Jones Season 2, Episode 1? I do. Uh, I'm not going to echo your points too much. I kind of agree wholeheartedly with you. 
I'm getting the feeling that this is similar to some of the episodes where they wanted you to binge straight to the next one. The ending alone sets it up that you just want to continue. You want to find out what happened next. What else did she see? Oh my God, tell me more. And I think that's what we're going to get quite a bit through this season. I think because they've introduced a lot of elements such as Jessica dealing with the killing, that there's going to be some heavy heavy moments so they'll try and offset that with those kind of heart pulsing kind of moments those bits that will make you want oh my god tell me more and i think that's what we'll get quite a bit i'm kind of getting that feeling but overall 100% defend they set it up as they say aka start at the beginning that is what they're doing Mm -hmm. john do you defend this episode of jessica jones season two episode one i do I do defend this episode. I think this is a really solid episode, uh, and that's why I'm giving it three and a half wizards out of five. Just the fact that it had the wizard in, and it's a character that, yeah, it's, you know, sub DC almost, and, uh, but I loved him. I thought he was great. Um, you know, really good, nice little touch. Uh, reference to, you know, that golden age of comics. Um, I also absolutely loved having Jessica from Sincentra, but with, um, just the, the relationships, the challenging relationships with, with Patsy and, uh, and with Malcolm as well. I really enjoyed their interactions together. And then you've got the intrigue, you know, who is this person that's out to kill people that were at IGH, like the wizard. Who is Ramirez? You know, he's gone from smiley to scowly. So what's going to happen there? We kind of thought he was love interested. Potentially, um, it's not going to turn out that way. It might, but I, so the intrigue brought for this season, as much as re-emphasizing Jessica's history with Kilgrave, I thought was really, really good. Um, and we've got Dark Jerry back, you know, it is, uh, Palpatine in a law firm, uh, <laughs> come back and like, yeah, what is she doing? You know, why she hired Price Chang? Um, as you say, is it just to bring Jessica into a, an organization that she can actually work with <laughs> other than alias investigations? You know, is Price Chang just a, a simple red herring or is he, uh, more of a swordfish that's gonna real surprise us. Um, <laughs> he certainly likes looking at his watch. We know that much. Uh, and yeah, what's her illness or what was that discussion with, with the doctor? So I, I really like this. It, it you know, it respected season one. It, it kind of brought you back up to speed on that and then introduced some really nice elements here and um, for intrigue, but even just in, so it's reconnecting us with these characters, mm-hmm. uh, at least these central characters of Jessica, Malcolm, uh, and Trish. So, yeah, I definitely defend this episode. Excellent. Well, as we mentioned earlier on, we don't have any feedback for this episode because we are recording a little bit in advance. Uh, it'll be the same on episode two. We won't have our feedback in uh, before we release that episode. Uh, but for our usual episodes three, four, and all the way through to episode 13, uh, you can get any of your feedback into us over on our Facebook group. 
at facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. You can email us to feedback at Defenders TV podcast.com or you can pop on over to our website, as we mentioned, to Defenders TV podcast.com and leave us a voicemail over there up to uh, 90 seconds of your thoughts on any of the episodes. Just mark them about the episode you're talking about so uh, so we don't reveal anything about the future of the episodes as we go through our discussion. We did, however, get in a couple of iTunes reviews uh, in the last couple of weeks that I thought I'd love to share because there's some really nice thoughts out there. And we always love when we get an iTunes review. Chris, do you want to share the first one? Yes. Uh, Robigo titled his review. Great place for a review. It's a fantastic way to start. I'm so happy. Anyway, uh, he, he goes on to say, I tuned in for the first time for the Black Panther review since I'm obsessed with the movie. It was the most thoughtful and detailed review I've heard out of many. Between all the hosts, the movie was covered superbly. And it was the only review I've heard that actually took the time to get the names, characters and actors right. Thanks for that. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Rabigo. We're, well, one, we wanted to make sure that we always get the character's name and the actor's name, right? Trust us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a mouthful, but even when you're kind of, your brain's going wild a minute, you want to make sure that you are, you're talking about the right person and the, the right character and actor. Yes. Very important. Very happy that you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much, Robigo. Um, I'm going to go for Robigo. I think I like that. Uh, as his pronunciation. Um, no, thanks so much for that. Really good to hear from uh, from any of the listeners. Hopefully you're joining us for Jessica Jones. If not, um, you won't hear this, so I, I will have to read it out again for uh, for the Avengers, right? Yes, we will. <laughs> yes. John, we got a second review in. Do you want to take it away? Yes, courtesy of Rywan. These guys really do know their stuff on Marvel. I've listened to every season they've put out since Daredevil Season 1 and really enjoyed their knowledge on anything and everything Marvel. The only thing I would say that puts me off this podcast is the fact that it's only once a week. The Punisher came out in November. We are now in February and they're just about finished. I'd like to ask, could we not up them to more than one a week? That Um, is the best compliment and the best reason for a removal of a star to want more Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Ryan. Uh, Yes, I I did mention it up front. Uh, We will be doing more podcasts uh, as we go. Obviously, we do this for fun. We do this as a a podcast for our listeners and and enjoy sharing our thoughts about the episodes. Uh, There are times when we're covering a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows that we can't actually record together more than once a week. This, luckily, is not one of those times. So for Jessica Jones, we will be recording more podcasts per week than we have in the past. So hopefully we'll be able to keep to the schedule and get at least two out a week uh, as we go through the through the episodes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the reviews. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate us, and leave a review because all this feedback really helps us to know uh, whether people are enjoying the podcast and what we can do to help improve it. And I think, you know, we're in tune with Rywan here that we wanted to to go back to our, our usual pitter-patter of our podcasts when covering Marvel Netflix uh, to try and do more than one a week. And so, yes, two or three a week. Well, let's not go crazy. Two, two. <laughs> it's like, what have I done? Well, actually, with our Doctor Strange coverage for donation, we will actually have three podcasts a week, but it will only be two on Jessica Jones per week. Um, thank you so much for that, Ryan. Remember, as always, if you have already left us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, as it used to be called, you can go back in and change it if there's anything that we've improved upon. Uh, if you've left us a review that uh, that made mention of something that you want to change, then we fixed it. Pop back in and change it and up the up the old rating if uh, if you feel inclined. Uh, thanks so much for listening, especially back to uh, back to Daredevil season one. That's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 
So uh, since he has been listening all the way back to Daredevil Season 1, he may know a little trend I know, and I usually talk about it towards the end of our episodes, where I do ask you to share the love. Previously, we've talked about your grannies, your granddads, your mums, your aunties, your uncles. Do you know who I'm going to target for this one? The good old sisters. So I want you, our fellow defenders, to go to your sister if you have one and tell them how fantastic this podcast is and get them to listen and get them to review. Sure, why not? Even if they don't listen, just give us a review. It'd be great. Just upvote everything. (laughs) But yes, the theme of... This one is going to be Sisters, the Fantastic Sisters. Make sure you tell them about Defenders TV Podcast. It doesn't have to be your sister. It could be anybody else's sister as well. Yes, you, you could tell. In theory, everyone nearly has a sister. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's the royal sister. The, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the royal we, the royal sister. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. We will be back with our review of Jessica Jones Season 2, Episode 2, a.k.a. Freak Accident, later this week. Uh, we'll be trying to review two episodes a week, as I mentioned, for Jessica Jones, along with our Doctor Strange Damnation coverage, which is part of an epic crossover event with Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, Inner Demons, a Ghost Rider podcast, and Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist podcast, where we're covering every issue of the Doctor Strange Damnation comic books. Very different one for us, but really enjoying it. Yes, and don't forget as well, coming very soon, April 27th, worldwide, we have Avengers Affinity War. We will be covering oh, it yeah. as much as we can that weekend. <laughs> Derek is looking at me going, really? And I'm going, yes, that's all right. we will. As close to release date as possible. That's that's where I'll aim for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, all roads lead to Affinity War, but right now... All roads are leading to damnation. And of course, episode two of Jessica Jones. So gentlemen, let's pack up our bags and uh, head off. Mm -hmm. As always, thank you so much for listening. It's been really great delving back into Jessica Jones on the podcast with you. I'm off to do the splits on Jerry Hogarth's desk. (laughs) Um, And with that, I'll speak with you again soon. Damn skippy. Careful now, John. You may have a freak accident. Bye. Bye. Bye.